Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and we have a very exciting show for you today. At least I think it's exciting. Uh, you guys might find it a little boring, but I thought exciting was the better adjective to go with if we're trying to get people to listen. We are going to talk about Maryland Million Day at Laurel Park this Saturday. And this day is especially big for my Maryland-bred partner, Mr. Gary Quill. Uh, for those who don't know, GQ is a TV personality at Timonium Racetrack in Maryland. So at the end of next summer, hopefully we're back there and the races are back and GQ is back. So when you're at your local OTB, you can flip through the channels. Probably you got to go up to like 60 or 70 to find uh, Timonium. But you'll see hopefully GQ on TV if all goes well. And uh, he's been a fixture at Maryland Racetracks for the last 72 years or so. So he's a great person to talk to about Maryland Million Day. So instead of bringing on a guest, why not bring on GQ? So, Mr. Gary Quill, how are you? Eric, you are just too kind. Uh, you know, the, the introduction you gave me is, you know, that 72 years just might be a few years too, too oh, long. But did I say 72? I think that's yeah, seven. That's a, I, I, it, it was a five, and I must have saw it as a seven. Let me change that. Sorry about that. All right. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Thanks. It, it's cool to be able to talk about, you know, a lot, a lot of times people accuse me of being a homer uh, when I talk about my sports teams, but this week I'm truly a homer because we, we finally are talking about Maryland um, racing. And uh, it's cool because it's not often, you know you're getting old when uh, you're talking about something that's been around for 35 years and you remember times before it was even, you know, a thought. So you know you're getting old when, when you can talk about that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm uh, open book, anything uh, you want to talk about. And I know our listeners span from the 20s all the way up to in their 80s. So we have a, a wide range of, of listeners. Um, but uh, Hopefully um, I'll be able to educate them a little bit about Maryland Million and what it means to uh, the state and that it actually started a trend throughout other states that had racing to have their own day of uh, racing. Yeah, I know in New York um, on Saturday, they're actually, I guess, competing a little, but uh, they had their New York Bread Day Saturday, but the Maryland field came up much better and much deeper than those in New York. So I'm happy to talk about Maryland racing. And you're pretty much an expert in the field. You follow it a lot closer than me. I do follow it. So we'll ask you a few questions, maybe help our listeners learn about the Maryland Million, but also have some tips and ideas on how to bet Laurel for those who don't bet it too often. So tell us, how big a day is this for Maryland racing? Oh, it, it's huge, and it it came about by um, a gentleman who, if you um, were born and your thought process of watching television only involves cable TV, then you may not know the history behind the Maryland Million and the gentleman who uh, was himself uh, a Maryland bred 
his name was Jim McKay. Uh, he used to be the host. He got to start broadcasting uh, and doing uh, play-by-play for uh, some uh, sporting events. But he got his big break, uh, I want to say it was probably in the 60s, where he was the host of this weekly sports show on ABC Network called The Wide World of Sports. And for anybody who uh, only knows TV in the cable age, um, ABC's Wide World of Sports was basically one hour of ESPN. (laughs) You know, that was sports. And it brought the viewer sports from you know, downhill skiing in Innsbruck, Austria, to cliff diving in Alcapulco. It was just a wide range of sports. And Jim McKay was, um, he brought it into our living rooms via ABC Sports. Uh, And uh, because of his love for Maryland and horse racing, he wanted to do something that would, you know, highlight, uh, put uh, Maryland on a national stage, hopefully. And him, along with uh, a longtime horseman and uh, Maryland, Bill Boniface, who was a trainer and actually trained uh, Prince Winter Deputed Testimony, who was a Maryland bred, uh, they got together and came up with Maryland Million. And we we think a lot about horse, horse racing and, uh, you know, restricted races for Pennsylvania breads, West Virginia breads, you know, New York breads, state breads. And, but Maryland Million was all about uh, horses that were sired in Maryland. And that was the big difference to, to be able to highlight uh, their prowess at stud. So uh, they, they came up with this plan, not for Maryland breads, but for uh, horses sired in Maryland. And that's why uh, people who may look at the card and see horses on also eligible that might only have 10 horses uh, and say, why isn't this, why is this horse on also eligible? And it's because the rules of the Maryland million uh, are restricted to Maryland sires, but they have this little stipulation that sometimes allows Maryland breads uh, to, to run as well. So, um, I don't know if you want me to get into that now or later, but um, uh, that that's why if you're trying to look at the card, you're saying, wow, I really like this horse, but he's only also eligible. And you're thinking about using that horse, hoping that maybe there, there's a scratch. Well, no, that horse is not going to there, – there's, there's a lot would have to happen for that horse. To, to draw land also eligible. So that's that's the unique thing about Maryland Million Day. Now, when people go to the track, I know it's a little different this year. I've never been there. I've been to Laurel several times over the years. Uh, usually I go once or twice a year. I uh, drive down from New York. But 
this is a huge day at the track for people. They get a huge crowd. Normally, obviously, this year different. Is that true? Yeah, it typically is. Uh, it, it's Maryland's day at the racing, let's say. Uh, the Preakness, uh, even though it, it has huge crowds, it's not doesn't have the local flavor. And it Maryland Million Day has always been on or around the third Saturday in October. And it's to celebrate Maryland horses, uh, Mer you know, everything about Maryland in, in racing. And uh, it, it brings out everybody to just, it, it's almost like a uh, festival type of atmosphere. Um, yet you have uh, owners tents and sponsors tents. And over the past couple of years, unfortunately with COVID this year, uh, it, it's become kind of the place to be, uh, you know, a big, big crowd just uh, in the grandstand area. And it's just unfortunate because typically as the years have gone on and breeders want to be able to have horses in Maryland Million over the years, the field sizes have gotten such where it's very attractive uh, to, to run. So yeah, it's it's more of a relaxed atmosphere, you know. It's a, like I say, it's more of a festive type of atmosphere uh, for everybody to just uh, enjoy a day at the races. Yeah, and um, for those who haven't been to Laurel, uh, I really like Laurel. Like I'm used to going to Belmont, Aqueduct. I go to Saratoga a lot, and that's different because that's a really old track and beautiful. Uh, and Belmont has a beautiful backyard until the Islanders arena is in the backyard now, which I'm an Islander fan. So I'm okay with that, but I don't even know what's <laughs> going to happen, where we're going to go. Cause the inside is awful at uh, Belmont and aqueduct is just terrible. Um, I, I think Laurel's great. I mean, it's so beautiful inside. There's so many uh, rooms to hang out in, even though they're closed at the time, unless they're having a handicapping contest or it's a big day. Um, there's beautiful couches to sit on. It's just really picturesque inside. Um, you know, you walk in, it's the floors are nice. It's not dirty cement. Uh, the only thing I don't like is there's not much room outside uh, to go or sit, but otherwise I think it's a great track. So I'd love to go for a Mer Maryland Million Day and definitely on my uh, my bucket list of Maryland racing at some point. Uh, do you have a favorite memory of Million Day? Yeah, actually, I I know it was one of the first few years, but I don't know if this was, you know, kind of like, you know, the fix was in or whatever. I, I don't want to go there saying that. But, uh, you know, Jim McKay being the the founder of Maryland Million Day, I want to say maybe it was the second or third year of Maryland Million. And uh, he him and his wife had a horse by the name of Sean's Ferrari. And the horse was a long shot in the race. And believe it or not, uh, Lafitte Pinkai <laughs> rode the horse. He obviously was in town to ride a few other horses, but he took them out on Sean's Ferrari. And I wish I could remember Sean's Ferrari odds. I want to say he may have been anywhere from 15 to 25 to 1. And the horse wound up winning the race, that particular Maryland Million race. And to... You know, here is Jim McKay, very, you know, he's not hard up for anything, very accomplished gentleman, 
you you know he's been all around the world has seen things has experienced things and the pure joy he expressed of that horse winning you would have thought he was a sheltered person and had never been you know to a horse race but that just goes to show what horse racing does to people uh it, it could be a five thousand dollar claimer or a kentucky derby winner when your horse wins a race uh the the just pure joy uh, if i can recall he he may have even shed a tear or two but there's a backstory behind the naming of that horse uh one of uh jim's uh children's name was sean and i guess the assumption is that Sean uh, wanted his father and mother to spring for a car for him, and he always said he wanted a Ferrari. So they weren't going to go for that. So when when they wound up uh, buying this horse, that, well, we didn't get Sean a Ferrari, but here's a horse. So that's how they that's how the horse was named Sean's Ferrari. <laughs> so you're telling me I blew it when I was a kid. I should have asked for a Ferrari. Maybe I could have got a horse for my parents. Darn. Too bad now. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So let's look at um, a couple things. For those uh, listening, most of them are people who are betting the races. Uh, some people are familiar with Maryland Racing, but a lot of people who are listening probably aren't and maybe taking a stab uh, on Saturday. So let's go over a few things. First of all, um, everyone can look up percentages of jockeys and see who's a leading percentage jockey here and there. But who are some of the jockeys that you think are some of the better jockeys uh, in the colony who will be riding Saturday? Well, and, and once again, thanks to COVID, uh, you don't have the jockeys coming in from out of town who typically would come in from out of town or uh, many of the horses that would be shipping in uh, for this. So a lot of it is uh, a lot of jockeys in the mid-Atlantic who are going to be uh, riding. Uh, everybody knows Trevor McCarthy. Uh, he, he, he's been around, even did a stint in New York. Uh, Trevor, uh, as far as jockeys that uh, I think give 110%, no matter what horse they're on, or uh, trying to get that horse, even if they don't think they can win, uh, just ride the horse out to the finish line. Uh, Sheldon Russell, I, I think he, he's dynamite. He, I, I just love, love how, how the effort he gives on a horse. And as far as turf races, I've always been um, a fan of Horatio Caramanos. He's a local jock. He's been here for quite some time. And there's some jockeys who just do better on grass versus dirt and vice versa. And I think uh, Horatio is one of them. Uh, a guy who is kind of, I don't know if you'd want to call him a late bloomer, but he's always kind of been this journeyman jockey who has never been like uh, any, any trainer's, you know, first call. But he's, been, he's having very quietly, he's having a, a good year and uh, being – part uh, owners in Wasabi, he's ridden for us and has gone to the winter circle at least once or twice. 
Kevin Gomez. I think Ke Kevin's a uh, great, honest rider. So um, between those four jockeys, I, I think they're the ones that uh, year in and year out, uh, they're, they're just solid. As far as uh, kind of a new jockey on the scene, um, Victor Rosales, I think he just uh, lost his bug. If not, he might still have his five-pound bug. Victor does very well. He's sneaky on the turf as well. So uh, if, if there's a turf race in here and, and he gets the mount on, on one of them, uh, you might want to look at uh, the horse uh, double. All right. And is it safe to say, like, most people would consider Trevor one, Sheldon two, and then kind of the rest, although others are, are pretty good, or is that a mistake? That's the assumption I get. Um, well, as far as the statistics this year, um, it's that way. But, uh, there, you know, there's, there's some other jock who, for whatever reason, either they like to pick and choose their mounts, uh, or they're not the guy who's going to get six or seven mounts every day. Uh, Julian Pimentel is one. Julian's a really good jock. But uh, it seems like, uh, you know, he just picks and chooses his amounts. Same way with uh, Victor Carrasco. Victor Carrasco was um, a apprentice, uh, Eclipse Award apprentice jockey a few years back. Um, he's been injured a few times, but uh, uh, Victor, Victor's a good jockey. So, I mean, as long as, I, you know, I've been here forever uh, seeing jockeys uh, come and go and the ones who stay around they, you know they, they they stick they stick around for a reason one they they enjoy the at the atmosphere and probably the climate in maryland we, we go from all four seasons and they realize that you know they've seen trevor go to new york and and have some success but he's come back to maryland so if you if you're settled in where you're working and you see that others have gone uh, ahead of you to try to make it at bigger circuits and and have had some success, I think I think they just enjoy the um, uh, living in Maryland and uh, they 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 have a good contingency of uh, trainers. That they that they ride for, so um, you know life's good. And what about uh, as far as trainers go? Again, everyone can kind of see the top trainers. I don't know the current standings offhand, but Claudio Gonzalez always wins. Kieran McGee is always towards the top of the standings. Mike Trombetta is obviously a very good trainer there. Who are some of maybe the under under the radar trader tra yeah, trainer that the average fan who follows a little bit of Mar Laurel and Maryland but doesn't really follow it that closely? Maybe they don't know or barely heard of. So who are some of those underrated trainers that are pretty good? And uh, pr probably the under the radar trainers are uh, Hamilton Smith, better known as Hammy Smith. Hammy's been around forever. Uh, he's a South Carolina native. Uh, he he has his horses uh, down in South Carolina. The two-year-old's working out. And Hammy's just a, a really good horseman. And the funny thing is, I never paid attention to it before, but Hammy really doesn't claim a lot of horses, 
So if he claims one, you better pay attention to that horse uh, when, it, when it runs back because he, he, he saw something in it. Um, Rodney Jenkins has been around forever in Maryland. He has he's not a claiming trainer. He 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 has allowance and stakes horses and his uh ownership clients that's that, that's what they, they uh own. And um that's why Rod Rodney seldom does he have horses uh in races on a daily basis, but uh when he shows up, uh you know it's gonna be a, a an upper uh uh, level uh, race uh, race in there. Uh, the, the one trainer who isn't even a trainer full-time, in fact, he works for the company that does the, the, the sound for uh, Laurel, and, and he, he, he wears two hats every day. I mean, he's he has horses trained in the morning, and in the afternoon, he's uh, busy making sure uh, the TV and and all the microphones work and whatever. And that's uh, Damon Dilla DeVico. He has some very good horses and he's gotten some horses that his clients have, have, have claimed. Lackey is, is one of them. Uh, Lackey, I think, wound up winning the DeFrancis Dash. Uh, and uh, so Damon's got a few rate, uh, race horses. So yeah, there's... Uh, John Robb, I, I could probably could go on forever. John Robb is a trainer who forever has been known to be good with two-year-olds. He's been around forever, and uh, John does well. So, yeah, um, uh, the percentages always don't, don't uh, tell the story. But, yeah, they're, all the ones that I've mentioned in here, they have at least a couple horses running. So they may be heard from uh, on Saturday. All right. And, and John Robb uh, usually uses one of my favorite jockeys, Xavier Perez, who yeah, I, I remember watching him in a race. It's pretty famous it's on YouTube. And I forgot exactly what happened now, whether he lost his irons or the rain broke and the horse like bolted and he managed to stay on him. And I don't know if he won or he almost won. It was just an amazing uh, bout of horsemanship there. So I always liked him. And that was about 10, 12, maybe even 15 years ago now. And he always was like a 7 8% jockey, whether he was at Charlestown or in Maryland, he would be even lower percent. And I kept telling my friend, he's good. And my friend kept laughing at me. Oh, there's X Perez. You didn't even know his first name. Every time we saw him in the program, and he would look, oh, 4%. Yeah, he's really good. But over the last couple of years, he's gotten, I don't know if he's gotten better, maybe better balance, but he's been like 10 15 even 18%. So uh, I'm glad Rob has had success with him making me look a little better. I still like Xavier Perez as I look at him. 5% of the meat, but that's only one for 21. It's a short meat. So, um, and did, did, did you oh, know, did you, did you know that Xavier Perez actually, um, had a mount in a breeder's cup one year? I think I knew and, that. Hold on a second. Yeah. Xavier Perez, uh, is the jockey I've liked for a long time. Uh, and as we go, and talk about um, a few other things about Laurel as GQ gets sidetracked for a second. I have one or two more questions oh, no. here, unless you want to finish your ex uh, Perez story. No, we're, no, we're good. Okay. We're good. Uh, last question, too, before we get into the races. Uh, for those playing the races, Laurel Racetrack, is there anything specific they should know as far as betting it? Like, one thing I've noticed, a lot of the times it seems the riders avoid the rail. Is that just my perception, or is that really nothing? 
I, I, I really think it's nothing. Yeah, you, you, you constantly see horses coming down in the middle of the track, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I don't have an explanation for that. I never have seen that uh, the rail was dead. Um, I know one thing, looking at the races, I, I, I thought maybe it was going to snow in, in Maryland this afternoon because <laughs> – uh, I was showing my age of being a grumpy old uh, guy on uh, Twitter complaining about Laurel being off the turf for the last two weeks. But yet Thursday, the races, they ran on the turf hmm. two days ahead of Maryland Million Day, which is astonishing to me. And the turf races that I saw at times looked very slow. So I, uh, a tip as far as the turf races, I would stay away from deep closers on the turf. It just doesn't seem like it's conducive uh, for the deep closers. So and with that being the, said, watch every turf race will be won by a deep closer. <laughs> what about, is the main track generally fair there? I mean, that's what I've noticed, but I could be wrong. You watch every day. Yeah, it, it has been. Sometimes, you know, after it rains and they seal the track or whatever – it can be a little uh, speed bias, but uh, there's no rain in the forecast and hasn't been. We had a little bit of precipitation, but nothing that would change uh, the structure of the track. So, yeah, um, seen horses win on the lead and, and, uh, and others come from off the pace. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, there's nothing there to, to give you a track bias uh, and, tip. And what about um... – Pimlico, because a lot of horses are, are coming over from Pimlico in their last race. Was Pimlico, um, now when I watched it, it seemed like speed was pretty dominant. Was Pimlico pretty much a speed dominant track that meet that if you see a speed horse coming over to Laurel, maybe downgrade a little and a closer upgrade, or, or is that wrong? Yeah, I, I mean, there weren't a whole lot of races at, at Pimlico to really uh, um, figure out whether or not it was speed bias and I really didn't think that it was in past years that was that was the thing with Pimlico they'd always complain that uh, in Preakness week um, if you got to the lead nothing nothing was uh, able to close but I really didn't see that this year from the rate races at Pimlico so uh, the, the the only thing I will say and it has nothing to do with the Maryland track but I've always figured that horses that run at Penn National, not the Penn National just on the surface, the horses are perceived as, you know, a notch below. I see that at least for the Brisnet speed figures, I think they're, the speed figures are a little inflated, meaning if you see a horse coming from Penn National whose last race ran a 92 Brisnet, and then you have one who's been running at Laurel uh, and is running in the mid-80s, I think the horse that is running at Laurel is, is much better. So that's just something, if you see any Penn National horses, uh, I'm, I'm not sure you could help me out with the, the buyer speed figures if that is true yeah, that, also. That's something we've talked about, I think, in the past several weeks back. And, um, you know, I find that to be true also for the most part. You know, you can kind of tell if it's like one race at Penn or just the race at Penn or higher speed figures and the horse runs elsewhere, I would definitely kind of disregard those numbers. 
All right, so are you ready to uh, dig into the late pick five sequence at Laurel for Saturday? Let's get into it. All right, we're going to try. We always say this, but we're really going to try and keep it a little briefer. Uh, there's so many horses because every field just about except for one race, like 10, 12, and there's even a 14-horse field. We're not going to go through every horse, but we'll touch upon the important ones and the ones we like as best we can. So race eight is the Maryland Million Distaff Handicap and seven furlongs. And I think this race probably depends on what you think of number six, Hello Beautiful. Hello Beautiful for Brittany Russell and husband Sheldon Russell. Uh, they went in an amazingly high clip, so you got great connections there. This is where we ran in the grade two prioress at Saratoga last race. And it really depends on what you think of this horse, because his buyer speed figures, the top ones, kind of tower over this field. And he's even money, or she, I should say, it's a this there, even money, Good chance this horse uh, probably wins this race. Uh, just digging into it, uh, the horse three back ran in the slot, had an easy lead, put up an insanely high 94 buyer, but I think that's a little inflated, having an easy lead on the slot. Came back at Ellis, they sent her to uh, a stakes race there. Didn't get out of the gate, and there's a speed horse. If you look at the PPs, really needs a lead for the most part. Um, and, and really against that caliber of competition, even though she was a favorite, once she didn't break well, didn't really have a shot. And then the last race of Prioress, grade two, I mean, it was competitive for half the race, was chased by Frank's Rocket, who arguably is the best three-year-old Philly sprinter in the country. So that's impressive. The only thing is Frank's Rocket was not really being pushed. So it wasn't like she was in a big speed door, Frank's Rocket. That was the case. I'd say Hello Beautiful is unbeatable. You know, I, I like Hello Beautiful. I, I'm going to hope she loses today or on Saturday. Uh, I'm not going to just single Hello Beautiful here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Hello Beautiful before I talk about the others that I like? The hello, we, we both did our handicapping before the morning line came out, correct? Yes. So, you know, I I didn't realize uh, even money, but here here's the here's the thing with Hello Beautiful, and if you notice the last two races where she ran subpar races, I don't know if you can say it was subpar, and you know, going into a grade two and graded stakes for the first time, but um. She had uh, Carmooch, who does get the horses out, but uh, with Sheldon Russell back on, you know, when you're when you're riding for your wife, you better uh, <laughs> do something. But here, here's the issue I have with Hello Beautiful, okay, and and a lot of horses in this race. There's a ton of speed in this race for seven furlongs, and if you look at Hello Beautiful's only uh, had 10 races on a resume. If you look, so you, if you look back to her debut, just going four and a half furlongs, she was 10 back coming, you know, coming out of the gate and she rallied to be third by four, which tells me she, she does have the ability to pass horses. You know, she mean, doesn't need against, to be yeah, that was maiden claimers. It was probably weak fields. So maybe she just kind of sucked up because the others were coming back to her. But I, I hear your point, and it's possible. Right. So, but, but yeah, my, my point is she don't need the lead or shouldn't need the lead. But at the same time, I'm looking at her, you know, um, with uh, is that you have your early pace figures. Even though I think there's a lot of speed in the race, meaning horses who want to be on the lead, she's going to be – to get the lead if she wants it. Yeah, she's, she's a speed. Absolutely. She's, she's just that speed. Quick. 
So, so I, you know, I, I picked her on top just, just for that sake, but a horse that, uh, I was actually not surprised. I knew she, she'd be a price, but the three horse limited to eight to one, um, call it revenge or whatever, or paybacks. But this horse last year was in this race. Uh, and she lost by 40, but that wasn't the, the entire story. She was declared a non-starter because I think she got hung up in the gate or whatever. So it was like she never even ran. So just imagine you being the owner of that horse showing up for Maryland Million Day and uh, seeing, seeing your horse run. Now, she was far from being the favorite that day. But this is a horse I remember her from when she was young and interviewing um, her trainer, John Salzman. This horse had some serious head case issues. This guy should should win an award just to keep the, be able to keep this horse, you know, healthy and happy and whatever. Uh, he had actually took this horse up in her two-year-old career to Saratoga, and they had to scratch her because she went nuts in the paddock. And so that's what this guy, this trainer's been dealing with. And I just think that uh, – you know, she's, she's been a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type of horse. She loves Laurel. I mean, nine-time winner at, at a 21 starts at, uh, at Laurel, you know, wins half of her races on a fast track. I think at a price, you know, she, she has a chance. Yeah, I'm not in love with her. Um, I'm not going to use her most likely in the pick uh, five we'll talk about. She's a horse who I, I would not be shocked if she won. I think she's more than capable. Uh, she wouldn't be my top six. So I just feel – you need buyer speed figure wise. You're gonna need at least the upper 80s. Now maybe Hello Beautiful Freaks runs 90 something buyer, 88 buyer, and wins this race easy. But if she doesn't, you're probably gonna need close to an 80 buyer. Limited View had a lifetime best 76 last time, and that was with a pretty easy lead. I, I just don't see her improving that number as a five-year-old after having an easy lead against Weaker. So um, I, I'm I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not in love with her. My other horse that I, I like, other than you know assuming Hello Beautiful wins is uh, the two, Gifted Heart, who ran against your horse, Limited View, last time. She's 12 to 1. Um, I thought she had a pretty good uh, race last time. Now, I know two back she ran against Limited View, uh, two back for her, and she ran fine. Um, I thought she uh, chased um, Limited View and, uh, you know, was pretty similar to Limited View. Limited View had a pretty easy lead, so I thought that was an advantage. So I don't think Limited View was much better than her that day. Just the fact that she had an easy lead and, and Gifted Heart had to make up ground and just couldn't. But last race, Gifted Heart, I thought, stepped forward. And she's a three-year-old. You like talking about age more than anyone. So she was running as a three-year-old against Limited View. She, that was a month or two ago. She's had a really good race, in my opinion, since then. And she's improving where I think Limited View kind of, you know, I don't want to say freak, but had like the optimal situation that day. Gifted Heart's last race, she dueled a one-to-five shot. Um, I, I don't even want to try and pronounce the name. Uh, don't let sweet fool you. I think that's the name. Pretty cool name, actually. Uh, she was one to five that day, the winner, and Gifted Heart dueled her and held on. That was only a four horse field, so don't get me wrong. Right. But still, the fact that no one else was able to catch her and she didn't fade that badly, dueling a, a pretty good horse, I thought she ran really well. And I thought that was a better race than a race before, even though she got the same buyer speed figure. So, in the buyer er system, I give her like a 76, 77, maybe even more for that race. And she had a 72 before that. So in my opinion, she's 
uh, on the traje trajectory upward. She's a three-year-old who's getting better, and I can see her running an 80-something by her in the 80s here with a good trip. You know, the seven furlongs, we'll see. That's a little bit of a concern, but I think she can sit a little off the pace and stalk and have something left um, for Phil Schoenthal, who we talked about, trainers. He's more than capable trainer in Maryland, one of the better guys there. So that's my other horse. I'm also going to throw in, I know I shouldn't do this because when you use an even money shot, just betting-wise, you probably shouldn't go deep in the race also, uh, which I'm going to do. And you'll see why, because I'm very skinny late, and I have a little bit of a price. So I don't want to lose this pick five because I leave out Hello Beautiful. Well, I think it's a good shot, but I really like the two, so I want to use her. I'm going to throw in the four. I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Um, the four, six, I'm sorry, four, seven, eight, ten. So four is Las Sedas. Um, this morning line is way off, I think. I, I'd be shocked if she's 20 to one. This is a horse who I know you know, GQ, for the listeners. She was like the pride of Maryland last year. She was like the dominant three-year-old filly in Maryland. Uh, people expected her to win or have a shot in the uh, Black Eyed Susan. She ended up going off 18 to 1 um, in, in a, a good field with uh, one of my girlfriend's point of uh, honor there. And she didn't do much, but there's a horse who was a really good three year old. She didn't really progress as the year went on. She had a long layoff uh, after the winter, and she didn't come back till September. And yes, she did not run well. She had no excuse. She had a 41 buyer. She just kind of sucked. But that was a long layoff. I can't imagine that this horse is going to be anywhere near 21. In fact, I wasn't going to use her. Because I thought she was going to be like a 4-1, to 5-1 to one, uh, morning line. And if she goes off 4-1, to one, I might not use her in the end. But if she's double digits, absolutely I'm using the 4 Las Cedas. And I'll go real quick. I know we said I'm going to be quick. Uh, the 7 La Weekend, I thought her last race was pretty good. Um, she dueled a 7-2 shot at Delaware in a um, second-level optional claimer. And uh, that horse came in third, but she beat her by 6 lines. So she dueled a pretty good horse who faded uh, decently there. So I thought she ran pretty well. Another horse was even money, stalked her, and just faded. So the fact that the speed did not hold, but she won easy, she was much the best. My only concern about La Weekend is the distance. She doesn't seem to be a seven for a long horse. And you said there's a lot of speed, and she's kind of a speed type. But I'm going to use her because she's a good price, and, and you know it's just an extra furlong. I'm hoping she can get it. Uh, the other two I'm throwing in are the eight, Quiet Imagination, just because there is a lot of speed. I don't usually do this. And it's a, uh, she's a solid closer. You get Trevor McCarthy, who's a top jockey there. Should get a good trip, and I hate saying that. But I thought her last race in a stakes race at Delaware, uh, so a decent field. I thought that race really set up more for speed, and she closed. She wasn't close, but I thought she closed and ran a pretty good race. So if she can improve off of that, she's also a three-year-old improving. And finally, I'll shut up after this. The 10, who I don't necessarily like as much, but I'm still going to use her. Because when I'm using the 8, I should use the 10. She'll get a good setup with all the pace in here, like we said, or potential pace in here. I don't think you're going to beat Hello Beautiful by stalking and dueling Hello Beautiful. You do that, it's like suicide mission. So a closer should win if she doesn't or off the pace. Uh, Coconut Kick, I thought I had a very good trip last time. And I don't like playing horses who had like perfect trips. And she had that. And she didn't even run a faster speed figure. So she's lightly raced. You'd think she would improve. I don't know if she's going to. But she should get a good setup. And if I use the 8, I feel I should use her. So she's more of a reluctant use the 10. But those are my who uh, are in this quiet cake. So my six in here, two, four, six, seven, eight, ten. And if I make any bets, it's all going to be keyed around with two gifted heart. All right. I promise I won't go as long in the other race because I'm not as deep. Go for it. <laughs> well, let me just – I'll just mention one more horse, not that, that I like, like the horse other than I had him as, as my third pick, and that's the five artful splatter. Seems to love an off track, which – 
not going to she's not going to get uh, on Saturday. Um, but uh, Kieran McGee pressing all the right buttons. The interesting thing is she's speed all speed, but that's going a mile at you know mile mile sixteenth at seven furlong. She's going to be outrun to the first uh, you know pole. Uh, to see how she reacts, uh, Alex Cintron is a very capable rider. But um, I, I, I thought uh, uh, everybody would be using Artful Splatter just because she won by 10 in a yeah. restricted stakes race at Delaware. But uh, definitely uh, a slop horse. But, yeah, so let's move on to the ninth race. The ninth race is the Maryland Million Turf which is one and one eighth miles. And uh, I wound up landing on, I think, uh, the biggest price that I picked in, in all the stakes races. I landed on the 10 pretty good year. Uh, even though the horse hasn't won at Laurel uh, out of five, five starts, is three wins out of 20, 0 for 6. I think that it can get the distance and we'll get a good trip mainly uh just because of uh gosh the, the horse should be right running on the turf but just hasn't i mean kelly rubley is your quintessential turf trainer even though she had uh, always mining um in the the preakness she does much better with her turf runners and it just amazes me why this horse hasn't been entered more on the turf uh, obviously in in you know the two the last two times it was entered in the turf it came off maybe it's just a, a matter of getting races into the horse but with the uh, sheldon russell back on uh i i think at a price uh changed um pretty good year four-year-old gelding has a shot Who's your top pick? Uh, my top pick in this race is going to be a 12 to 1 morning line, and that's going to be the seven Benny Havens. Uh, I can't yeah. say I love the horse. Uh, you know, I'm like all in. I'd love to single the horse, but I'm not going to here. It's a little more of a stab, but I think a, an educated stab, or I don't know, educated is the right word, but a little logical for me. At least I made it logical. Benny Havens, his last race was, um, was pretty good, I thought. He got a good trip, don't get me wrong. But I like that he improved a lot off his previous race. First of all, he was racing as Open Company. Uh, and then he was in some restricted race last year. I don't understand all these uh, conditions in, in Maryland. They don't make any sense to me. Restricted, I don't know what that is. But he ran against um, Maryland Breads. Uh, open Company, I think. It wasn't just Maryland Breads. Do you know what that is a little more than I do? Or Yeah, it, it, it's restricted to, to uh, Maryland Breads. To, uh, so, like, you could, you could win that, that race but still be eligible for – Nine winners of one other than. Right. Okay. So good. All right. Um, now he won that race. He got taken down and we can argue whether he should have or not. He was the best horse in the race. He did have a good trip though. Um, he, he hit another horse and that horse I think might be in this race actually. Um, I have to check, but he was going to win the race uh, regardless of the horse he hit was not. So what I like is horses that are improving. And I just feel that his last race was better than the race before it. I think the speed figure is, is fairly good. It's not like he's facing any monsters here. Uh, so I would give a, a, a slight edge. And if I can get 12 to 1, I'll take a shot on Benny Havens. I know the trainer. I know I shouldn't like use this in my opinion. The trainer is very high on this horse, I know. Uh, if you follow uh, him at all on Twitter or social media, 
you know, every tweet every day is about Benny Haven. So maybe I'm, maybe he uh, subliminally uh, influenced me to pick that horse, but uh, I'm going to use him on top here in my bets and kind of key him. I thought, I, I thought maybe TK Kugler uh, gave you a little incentive to mention Benny Haven's usual top since TK just bought for the Wasabi Venture Stables a yearling who's the full to Benny Havens. Oh, nice. So, all right. I, I knew that actually because someone mentioned today, I forgot who, sorry if you're listening, I'm not giving you credit. Someone mentioned the, the full is running in the Maryland Millions card. So I didn't realize it was Benny Havens. So uh, for my boy X Perez, uh, getting them out there. The other horse. Uh, there, you go. there you go. Right. Loving him. His this is. <laughs> This is the other race I'm going deep in. So I'm shallow for the most part in the last three or, or definitely a couple of them. But I'm deep in the first two. Uh, the next horse I would use is the four, Mr. D'Angelo, even though uh, GQ said do not uh, bet deep closers. This is a horse who had a good trip last time. He got a 79 buyer and first level open allowance, um, which, again, they've been running against similar. A lot of these horses are coming out of second level open uh, optional claiming, but I don't really think it's much of a difference in Maryland here, um, the level. Um, this horse needed more ground, I feel. A mile is short for him. He was closing really well. So I just think the extra distance will help. I don't know if there's a ton of speed here, but extra distance would help. His race two back where he got the 80 buyer, he had a slow start. Um, you know, he had a decent trip, but he had a slow start by a length or so. So I think that 80 buyer might be a little higher. I thought that 79 buyer last time would be higher if it was a longer race. Uh, and he got an 83, 85 before that. So there's a horse who I think is like a mid eighties buyer, which puts him on top here. So that's why I like Mr. D'Angelo. You know, it's tough to bet a deep closer because you need help, but that would be my second pick, if you will. Uh, and just the others that I'm going to use, uh, I'll only mention them, uh, nine, 11, 12. And I'm using your 10 as uh, my last horse there. So let me just go through them real quick. The nine, Nick Papa, a little chalky here, Nick Papa Giorgio, again, a horse who is coming off a perfect trip, but the horse is, three for his last three on the turf against, uh, you know, some of them are against weaker, but the last one was against these horses. Basically he did dead heat, uh, the 12 horse, but, uh, so I'm with Nick Papa Giorgio. Plus I like that name. Uh, you know what that's from? Little quiz on your, somebody uh, told me, somebody told me, I, I forgot. I hope I'm right. Cause otherwise I'll look stupid, but that is from, is um, Oh shoot. Now I'm uh, missing it. Vegas vacation. Is it with Chevy chase with, uh, his oh, son? Okay. Who I think is underage, but goes to the casino and he pretends to be Nick Papa Giorgio. He's fake ID. I'm pretty <laughs> sure, right? Uh, haven't seen it in a while. Anyway, uh, who are the other ones, real quick? You mentioned about the 10, so I won't speak about the 10. Um, the 11, Taxable Goods. This is a horse I've liked for a while. In fact, I singled him. I don't know. I think last time I singled him, if that's possible. It might not have been last time because I was Delaware. Uh, but I did single him. He didn't win for me. Uh, but I've liked this horse for a while. His race, three back, was, was not bad. Uh, but not great. He was okay. 82 buyer. Two back. I don't know what the heck happened. There was really no excuse. And then last race, I thought it, it set up more for speed that race. And I thought he closed really well. So I thought he's like back. Uh, so I'm going to give taxable goods, the 11 a shot. And who else I mentioned the 12 is Cannon's Road dead heated with Nick Papa Giorgio. Again, he's just run races that are as fast or faster than these. He also has won three in a row on the turf, uh, and probably against better competition overall than Nick Papa Giorgio. So he definitely has a shot. So, again, I hate to throw in a, a lot of chalk in the race, but that's where I'm going. Uh, I'm going to leave out the six, even though he has a shot with five to one. So I am in this race uh, four, six, seven, nine, eleven, twelve. But in my vertical, in the pick five, but in my vertical best, I'm really keen on the, uh, the seven here and trying to get Benny Havens and Mr. D'Angelo in the number. 
you know, we, we could have saved about 10 minutes so far on the podcast. If these first two races, you would have just said, I will not use, and then talk about those couple horses. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, I got a trivia question or maybe something. Um, uh, by the way, the other horses I love you all mentioned, uh, believe it or not. Yeah. Mr. Mr. D'Angelo. Uh, I, I like him. Uh, the, the nine and the 12 dead heated for the win in their last race. Now I, I have no stats to back this up, but how many times have you seen a horse dead heat for the win and then come back and repeat a winning performance? I think that's a very low percentage. That's why I'm kind of, <laughs> even though I like both Cannon's Roar, who, by the way, Wasabi once owned, we claimed them for 10, riding back twice for 16, and then uh, lost him for 16. Here's a trivia question or something, I don't know if you can even look this up. In the history of horse racing, has there ever been a horse who has twice Dead heated for the win. Cannon's roar has dead heated when when Wasabi owned him for the win for his nine winners of two life. So how do you like that? In he's, his short career, he's dead heated for the win twice. He's very nice. He likes to share the glory with the other horse. There, <laughs> I've never seen a horse dead heat a horse and then dead heat a horse the same exact horse in the next race. I bet that's never happened, and it could happen here. That would be amazing. Um, of course you like my horses because they were the chalk I threw in, so you threw them in too. But all right. You ready to go to race 10 or you have more to say on that race? No, no, let's move on, young man. All right, race 10, the Maryland Million Sprint Handicap. You go first because hopefully you're getting, you're, you're getting down to just a few horses, right? Well, I'll tell you what. I only am using one horse here, so I'll speak about that horse. I'd like to speak about why a couple of favorites I don't like, uh, maybe if, if we have time, but uh, I'm using one horse. Now, a lot of handicappers, or touts, if you will, I hope I'm not really a tout, because I'm more about trying to explain why I like a horse and, hey, bet this horse. Um, but a lot of these touts and handicappers, they do something I think is a little shady. They'll see a horse who's like 8 to 1 in the morning line, but it's clearly a bad morning line, and the horse should be like 2 to 1 or 3 to 1, and probably goes up that. And they'll pick that horse on top. And they, even if they don't love the horse, but they'll pick because – the horse is better than it looks on, on the morning line. And then they'll claim, hey, I picked an eight to one morning line. Look how brilliant I am, even though the horse went off like, you know, five to two, two to one. So I'm using that caveat here. The horse I'm going to single here, I think might go off seven to five, but he's three to one morning oh. line. So oh. I'm going to go, with, oh, the three, one more great time. I don't know if you, oh, no, what's the matter? You're, you're shaking over there. Is that bad? I know. I, I, was, I was going to try and guess who, who oh, it was. I'm sorry. I thought that's okay. I thought it was a higher odds when you were going on about a bad morning line and all that. And then you come up with a three to one who, by the way, is my top pick as well. Oh, go crap. Ahead. I got to I got to rethink this. Single. So, so you better find it, find another single. Well, you know what? If it's your horse and I know he's going to be less than even money. Uh, <laughs> you know those no, no, no. Because he'll have a, he'll have a ton of money on him, the place and show. <laughs> yes, that's true. He's going to be in the place and uh, show pool. Okay, so why do I like the three one more great time? Why do I unfortunately feel he's going to be like seven to five? Well, his last two races are pretty, pretty darn good. Um, his race two back, 
first of all, you've been chasing the horse you mentioned before, Lakey or Lockie. I, I forgot how to pronounce it. You said Lakey, so maybe Lackey. you're right. I, I don't know. Lackey. Lackey. All right, whatever it is. Who just won the, what was it? The General George? No, that's another race. The, the Francis, right? Sprint grade two or grade three. Lockie's a bit, or Lakey, Lackey is a very good horse. And Lackey is a speed horse for the most part. Though came a little off the pace, I think, in the, in the race he won, uh, he won the other day. But anyway, this horse has had a duel or chase, a very good horse, a great stakes winner, which I love when they chase or duel good horses. First of all, speed horses tend to win more races, despite what GQ told us two months ago. Uh, speed horses are good to have. Bet speed horses. Right there, stop betting closers, bet speeds, and you're going to do better right away if you're trying to get, become a better handicapper. And I, I'll tell you, that's from experience, because you know, I used to always, oh, this horse you know, closed last time, got in a little trouble, going to win today. And for years, I would do that. And now I just said, screw it. Uh, speed horses win more often. So I'm going to try and use more speed. But anyway, so Chase is a really good horse. Got a 90 buyer, which is probably uh, best in this field, though we're going to talk about another horse, Lewis Field, I'm sure. Then came back last race. Now, dipped to an 85 buyer in a stakes race. Similar field, though. In fact, it was the same horses. Eastern Bay, uh, Lackey was in the race. And I thought ran a bang-up race. Uh, chased a 5-1 to one shot, who ended up fading to the back of the pack and came in last. So speed did not hold. Uh, and the eight to five shot lackey was, was right up there the whole, uh, uh, way, um, chasing it. And this horse was three wide on the turn. So anyway, was in a duel pace for the most part, didn't hold lackey pretty much hold, but didn't, uh, but it was not the place to be chasing on the lead if you want to win that race. So I thought that was a, a awesome effort and definitely that 85 buyer is a lot better than it looks. So I think she got another 90, he, I keep saying she got another 90 plus buyer. And frankly, the horse who was in that race, Eastern Bay, who's the eight to five morning line favorite, is an AE. Now, if Eastern Bay draws in, I'm going to have to decide what to do. I might still single uh, the three horse because I'll get much better odds. Uh, but Eastern Bay is going to be tough. He's not. He's not going. Well, in. once in a while it happens. You never know. Yeah, no, 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 no. Remember the the the, the rules for Maryland Million. Oh, go ahead. He's a Maryland. He's a Maryland bred. E e Dubai is not Maryland sired. So, and that's why there's only 10 horses. Why would it be on the EAE for, so with 10 horses? Why is he there at all? He, he's not allowed to race? Why wouldn't they list him? He, he, well, because if the race is scratched down to less than eight horses, oh, is that he'll how be able to get okay. in. Yeah. yeah I, know you, yeah. I know you talked about so it before, but let, I didn't know that's how. Right. They, they okay. let him put him on the AE just in case um, okay. it's, you know, they scratch down. But, All right. you know, there, so, there, there, there isn't going to be four scratches. I don't see four scratches coming out of this race. All right. So thank you. That clears things up. So I assume you won't run the way I wanted to just to get a better odds. But with that eight to five scratch, three is going to be a shorter price. The only hope I have is that the seven Lewis Field, who's seven to two on the morning line, takes a lot of money. Now, Lewis Field is a horse who's had a lot of success sprinting, especially in Maryland. Excellent, you know, horse over the years. Used to put up 100 buyers all the time. Here's my concern about Louisville and why I'm willing to play against him. I know the horse can win. Came off a long layoff. Put up an 87 buyer with a perfect trip. Now, that was too bad. You can argue, long layoff, 87 buyer off a layoff. Maybe not ready. Who knows? Not bad. Last race, granted, it was a tough field. It was at Charlestown with 100 turns they were running. So maybe he doesn't like 100 turns. Well, I seem to think the horse won at Charlestown before, but I could be wrong. Um, just no excuse. Save ground, perfect trip. What was the excuse? That she didn't like making the third turn or the second turn? 
Um, it's two turns. I'm, I'm joking. But still, what, the two turns? And I, listen, I can buy that argument. Third off a layoff. If you want Lewis Field, go for him. I'd rather not take a short price. And, and, and not that I hope the horse is done. I don't want the horse to be you know, done. But I hope he's not as good as the three here and maybe done. So I'm against that horse. I do like Hall Pass. I've always liked that horse. I just question how ultimately good he is. Is he still getting better? I don't know. He had a pretty good setup and a pretty good trip last time. Got an 80 buyer, but again, I've always been a fan of this horse. I've been him a lot. I just don't know if the horse is going to jump up because I really think the three is going to run 90 plus buyer, and I just don't see anyone else in this field that can do that. So I'm just singling the three. Go ahead, take it away. I. It always amazes me in these, you know, sprint stakes races when I see a field that doesn't have a lot of speed. I mean, there really isn't a lot of speed in this early speed in this race. And that's why I kind of settled on uh, one more great time because his, er his early figures blow everybody else away. Now, he could probably clear everybody and go gate the wire. But for an outside price at 12 to 1, Karen's Notion also has similar early, early pace figures. Overall, we're going six furlongs. Uh, probably, you know, Karen's Notion is going to be beaten to submission by uh, one more great time and we'll back up like a city dump truck. Uh, but I think of all the races, this is one race that will whoever whoever gets the first call out of the gate is is going to be the winner. Uh, the only other horse I see challenging anywhere close to the lead would be the four horse Brilliant Chase. Trevor McCarthy was listed on this horse and on the uh, ten. Let's play nine. Obviously. Trevor's going to take the, the mount on the nine. He's always, you know, every single race, uh, let's play nine. He's been on this horse for Mike Trombetta. Uh, but even with Victor Carrasco on, on this horse, huge, huge uh, jock upgrade. So, uh, and, and this horse has, has, has the numbers. I don't know how the parks uh, figures look. And, and DRF, but uh, he he threw some mid nineties, uh, uh, two races back and four races back when he broke his maiden. Yeah, he so, um his numbers are competitive. Uh, he got an eighty seven buyer, two back, eighty three buyer, which for the most part is similar to to the better horses here. My only concern is I don't know if there's a concern or a good thing. He got all slow. It doesn't say it uh, two back, but he got all slow in his last two races, and you know that yeah. could be an issue for him. Um, the fact that he's getting off slow. Sometimes you upgrade a horse that broke slow. Oh, it broke slow this time. He breaks well. You know, he's going to run better. But maybe that's a little um, problem for him now. I don't know, because if you go back in the PPs, I didn't look at all the replays. I only watched the last two, but he's had slow starts in the past. So I don't want that. And the other thing is he um, he was running against state-bred, uh, Pennsylvania-bred allowance. Yeah, but, yeah, I know there's like yeah. Maryland sire, so it's restricted, but is that one of those great races? I, I don't know. Right. He's definitely true. fast enough. Um, any, anything yeah, else the only other one I, yeah, the only other one I, I, I like is Hall Pass as far as a horse that, that comes off the pace. Just a, a, a solid runner and who, when you're running, those last two races, you know, there's nine winners of three other than 50,000. They're, they're big-time races here in Maryland. 
against some um, really good competition. So uh, I definitely give Hall Pass a chance to be in the mix. Yeah, if I was so, betting an exacta this race, I, I would just key the three on top and use Hall Pass, maybe a three six exacta. Uh, that would probably be a bet that I make when the race comes. But Hall Pass always yeah. gets over bet. That's what scares me. Are you ready for race eleven? And so you're trying to get there. Yeah. All right, Go this for is it. the the big one, the Maryland Million Classic, hundred fifty thousand dollar purse for uh, Maryland uh, sired horses, I guess if that's what it is. So yes. this is the one race that doesn't have a big field. Uh, before we even start, or as we start, let me ask you a question in your handicapping because it's not something I look at much, but it's hard not to notice it here. Wait, is that a big thing for you? Because the favorite here, Harper's Ride, we'll talk about is spotting basically seven pounds to the rest of the field where he hasn't done that in his other races. He's been the same weight as the other horses or even less like in code maker. He was actually a uh, code maker. He actually was four pounds less a couple back. Does that affect your judgment at all? Those extra seven pounds to the others? Uh, in a distance race, it does. Uh, especially if there's like a big, um, uh, swing, like, I, I'm, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I've been in love with Cordmaker since I laid eyes on him. Uh, I know I mentioned this before on, the, on one of these podcasts. My first yearling sale I went to in Maryland, I looked at Cordmaker. I have no idea what I'm looking at as far as horse flesh, but I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and being a son of Curlin, that's who it reminded me of back then. I said, gosh, I, I, I think that's the course is great. And they wound up, he was like one, and you know, in Maryland, the yearling sales, we don't get the, the creme de la creme. Um, so if you get three, if you get six figures, uh, you're doing well. And uh, they paid uh, um, 150 for him. But so, so Cordmaker's going to be my play. He's, he's battled. And like you said, the shift in weight, I mean, Harper's first ride adds for, uh, and cord maker drops three. So that's a seven pound swing, which I think will matter. And to tell you the truth, uh, Harper's first ride stole the Pimlico special in my, in my estimation. There I wasn't agree. a whole lot of speed. I think there was Harper's first ride and one other horse. The other horse didn't get out. I think Owendale actually was running second the entire time. Uh, because the, they knew there wasn't a lot of speed. And I think Claudio probably gave Harper's first ride his vitamins that morning. So I'm against Harper's first ride, uh, even though you look and it's like, wow, one in grade three, and this horse uh, ought to win easy. Um, I'm going with uh, Cordmaker to rebound. Victor Carrasco knows this horse inside and out. Rodney Jenkins. He babies this horse, brings him up to races, and and uh, the Pimlico Special was definitely the race that he brought him up for. Who knows? Maybe he's not going to be able to come back as strong because he, he got a big number in, in the Pimlico Special, as did Harper's first ride. So maybe that sets up well for the two-to-one second choice top-line growth. So they're, they're my three horses in this race. <laughs> you left out my horse. But anyway... Cordmaker's a neat horse, <laughs> of course, which I'm happy about. <laughs> um, Cordmaker is a, a one horse. horse. No, no, we'll get to you it. Like it. Uh, Don't <laughs> give away the cat out of the bag. Come on, we got to have some 
kind of. There's only seven horses, right? <laughs> anyway, corn, corn, keep trying. Corn maker uh, is a neat horse. Uh, one thing I like about corn maker is this horse runs seven furlongs. This horse runs a mile and eight. It doesn't matter. The horse can win at any distance, it seems. And that's really cool about the horse. Been a really good horse. Now, he's raced against decent competition. He is 0 for his last uh, five. And that concerns me as a five-year-old, even though, again, it's put up solid numbers he's put up. He's had very good trips. Uh, he had a very good trip last time, too. Uh, you were absolutely right. Uh, very good. Usually, I'm the guy who's like the replay guy and talking about trips. But what you said about the Pimlico Specialist drawing a, a track that probably favors speed a little bit, or a lot even. Um, this Harper's First Ride stole the race with no pace. But Cornmaker was sitting right off the pace, um, saved ground, was close enough to make a, a, a dent, and didn't. So ran a good race. But I'm not in love. And the weight shift probably puts him very similar to the five, in my opinion. And if Harper's very eight five and Cornmaker's four to one, I, I would take Cornmaker two. But I consider them almost even in my book. Um, if it was even weight, I'd definitely say, not definitely, but I, I'd lean towards Harper's first ride. However, um, I'm taking a stab with the three horse, uh, Monday morning QB. Surprising you a little. Guess what? Yeah, Another three year old. So. I'm all in on the three year olds. This is the anti GQ bet here. Um, and I read something just recently that no three year old has won this race in like 17 years. Now, I don't know how many have tried the race, so I don't love hearing those stats because <laughs> it could be 0 for 3. It could be right. 7 0 for 7, but all seven were like 50 to 1 shots that had no shots. So, you know, I'd like to see how many three year olds that were under 5 to 1, you know, how they did. And if they're 0 for 10, then okay, or 15, then maybe I buy that stat. But anyway, so why do I like Monday morning QB here? Uh, if you go back to the Withers grade three race that Max Player won, the Max Player is no amazing horse, but he's a decent, you know, three-year-old stakes horse, probably like a, you know, more of a grade three type horse, uh, if that, but still a solid horse. He, he would fit with these horses. Um, the horse had major trouble. Uh, he had a slow start. He was knocked around. I mean, it was really, really bad early in that race, the trouble. You have to watch it to see how bad it was. He made a big sweeping move to get to basically the lead or even with the lead in a race where I thought you wanted me back. Max Player was able to wait, 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 and make a close um, in the race. And, and most of the horses that finished in front were, were closers. So I, I thought ran a bang up race, like a really good race. And I was waiting for him to come back. The problem is maybe something happened to him. I don't know. Maybe some of you listening know more than me about it. Uh, but he took a long time to come back. And they brought him back in the Frederick Tessio, which um, – Correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I'm not mixing up races. That's usually run on Preakness Day. It's like the uh, weaker of the three no, races. Uh, or is this no, a, that, uh, the prep? That's the Preakness prep race. Okay, so it's like usually three before the Preakness. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure which one, so thank you. So anyway, obviously it got shifted here and all. He came back, unless I actually didn't love his race because I thought he had a pretty easy lead. Um, in the race, so that 92 buyer in ER buyers is probably more like a low to mid-80s buyer at best. I'll go mid-80s. It wasn't like it was bad, that race. So you're like, wait a minute, he's going to need like high 90s to win this, and he's getting like, you know, maybe high 80s, if I'm lucky, in my opinion. Then he comes back and runs awful on the turf. But he's not a turf horse. It was a yielding soft track. I, I totally tossed that race. I, I actually like that he ran that race because that's going to inflate his price a little bit. As the dog goes crazy, if you hear that in the background. Well, anyway. uh, he likes the, he he likes that race also. He's a great apparently guy. yes. Um, so so I'm glad he ran that bad race because it's gonna up his price. And the reason I like him, if I'm like, wait, he's like ten buyer speed figures short of where he has to be. I just think he's an improving three year old. 
I thought that 87-ish buyer, even though it was a 92 on, on September 7th, that was off a layoff too. Now, you never know. Is he geared up off a layoff? Does he need a race? Unless you know the trainer personally and you can trust him, uh, you really don't know. So I think there's a chance he needed the race. And look who he ran against. Even though he had a fairly easy lead against him, he ran against Happy Saver, who was second best in the, uh, in the jockey club goal to Mystic Guide, but he got the win. So Mystic uh, Guide only got the uh, moral victory trophy as you uh, gave him last week. But still, Happy Saver is a, a pretty good horse. So I just, and also, I don't think there's a ton of speed here. And I think I'm not usually one who's like, hey, how's the race going to play out? But I think Monday morning quarterback could either go to the lead or sit off of Prandini and run a pretty good race. I don't think Harper's first ride is going to be on the lead. I think he just went, like you said, because it was a slow pace. The other horse, uh, top line growth, ran fine last time. Two to three wide trip, put a 95 buyer up in a grade three race. Pirates Punch is a solid grade three type horse. He's fine. What I'm probably going to do here is something, again, not the best betting strategy. I'm just going to use the chalks here. And I'm probably going to go in my wide pick five. I'm going to go three, four, five, seven, because I have two singles. So um, I'm going to go three, four, five, seven, which is just the chalk. I'd love to throw in the one. I just don't think it's worth it because I think it's outside shot, um, the one, but I, I don't love the horse. And I'm going to go with an extra pick five and, and press the three. So in, in some of them, I'll be singling Monday morning quarterback. And I will be betting Monday morning quarterback as long as it's about five to one. If he's like two to one, to, uh, five to two, I don't want any piece for him. All right. You want to add any final thoughts on the race? Well, all, all I want to add is here's a, here's a Maryland Million. Um, uh, teaching moment. Uh, you know, we've been harping on, oh, this horse isn't going to draw in because he's Maryland bred. He's not Maryland sire. And people are looking, it's like, since when is Curlin and Painter Maryland sired? Well, they're not. This race only had seven who, who went through the entry box. So whoever came through the entry box was eligible to, to run. So that's why, you know, Cordmaker, who in past years hasn't been eligible because there have been others who were Maryland sired who wanted to. Uh, it was like, I, I want to say, it seemed like for 10 years in a row, Fletcher had bonus points because he was Maryland sired and bonus points would run in the classic yep, every, every year. year. Yep, every and in year. one year, one year it was like there weren't a lot of, weren't a lot of um, horses uh, that, uh, uh, entered and they, they tried to freeze him out I think or whatever but anyway so so yeah that's that's why you know cord maker and Harper's uh, first ride who uh, their sires definitely are not Maryland sired um, are running in this race because the Maryland million rule is if there's less than eight horses uh, at scratch time uh, in a race the also eligibles then become eligible so uh, go ahead and move on to the final leg of the pick five, which is right. a Maryland Million uh, starter. And they have a few of these in there to throw bones to the locals who uh, have a chance for a $50,000 purse, which you're not going to get on a normal day. Yep. <laughs> well, this is going to be my second uh, single of the sequence here. And I'm not as confident. The other three that's a single in uh, race 10, the one more great time, I think is going to be a, a pretty heavy favorite. And I, I think very good chance of winning. Unfortunately, the price is good. This one's a little bit more of a stab, but I have reasons I like the horse. I'm going to uh, give a, throw out a couple other horses I want to talk about briefly uh, before talking about the single. So I'll have a little, um, 
a little um, ah, build up, a little build, build up. There you go. I was looking for the word. Thank you for filling in. All right. So first of all, uh, the six horse Belfour. I got excited uh, at, at first, but um, then I realized uh, Eddie Belfour was uh, goalie for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, and I hated the Blackhawks. So <laughs> I can't bet the horse. No, that's not why I don't like the horse. The horse can win. It, he's as good a shot as anyone to win this race, Belfour. But I don't love the horse. First of all, you're running on the dirt. Wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Let, let me just add something. Belfour, I, I looked like I looked at the nominations, you know, before entries were drawn. I think Belfour was nominated for about six <laughs> six different races. So John Robb settled on this one. So and he goes for the week race, right? And, 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 and he's only run twice on the turf. I thought, who knows? Maybe he thought this would be an easy spot. Yeah, you know so what? I'm I mean sure. if you if you just look at his turf race, I only see one on the, on the page here. The other one was a long time ago. He got a 73 buyer in August uh, at Maryland in a, uh, I guess that's a state bred uh, uh, race. Yeah, it's a it state was, bred. Was, those are good horses. English Minister, we talked about taxable goods as a decent horse. Oh, Dionysus is not a bad horse. Or Dionysus. Um, oh, Dionysus. Yeah. Anyway, I, I cut out a little there. Hopefully you were done. Um, so he got a 73 buyer, which honestly, anything in the 70s is going to win this probably. So I'm sure three to one, a lot of people see, oh, 73 buyer in the one turf race. He's in the 80s on the dirt, except last race, whatever happened. I didn't watch the dirt replay. Um, but I think a lot of people will see that and be like, hey, you know, the horse is the best speed figure maybe. But like I said, 0 for 2 on the turf. And he was beaten 10 lengths. He was dead last. That was against a better field than this. But he wasn't even really a part of the race. I mean, he stalked for a while. It wasn't that fast. And then he just faded. So, uh, you know, any horse could have done that. So to me, 73 buyer, just because he was in the race, what makes him so special? Other than a couple of dirt races, he threw up an 88 buyer, or a lot of them. His last race wasn't good. Again, I didn't watch the dirt replay because I don't care that much. But, you know, maybe he's just not in great form. Maybe that's why I'm throwing him on the turf. Who knows? To me, three to one is very short in a horse that you're, you know, probably betting because of his dirt buyers more than anything else. And, and who knows if he can run on the turf. Um, so that's one horse I'm not going to use probably, but I know he could win. The others that I would use if I was going a little deeper and I might use in my bets, like my vertical bets are the five elementary. Uh, you have to go pretty far back to find the turf race for elementary, but there's a horse who was always a turf horse until recently. I've uh, been claimed a few times, including for five, uh, uh, grand last time. It was claimed back by Susan Cooney. Susan had the horse lost him for 12, five way back in June and now got him back for five. So say $7,000 plus, uh, all the training fees or whatever, although she might own the horse. So, I don't know how that works with training fees, but anyway, um, the last turf race put up a 70 buyer, had a little bit of a, uh, a wide trip, was a distant, distant uh, fifth though. So not great, but I think the horse has a shot at 12 to one here. Earned it, I think is pretty decent. Um, I just thought Earned it had a really good trip last time against 12-5. Most of these horses are coming out like a 12-5 claimer. So even though it's, you know, a $50,000 restricted stakes, I almost viewed it like a $12,000 claimer when I was handicapping, that's what I did. So this horse is basically staying at a similar level. Uh, had a good trip, put up a speed figure that's similar to these, um, and, and you know, runs decent uh, on the turf. So I, over five on the turf, but puts on decent figures. Um, I don't love Earned It, but I think Earned It has a shot, so uh, not a terrible horse there. And then the eight Martini Kid, you talk about the Penn National numbers. Uh, last time I got a 70 buyer at Penn National in 12-5 race two. This was a suicide pace. 
um, and, and the pace collapsed. And this horse benefited from being pretty far back. It was actually chasing, although pretty far back, and then slowly backed up, which probably helped, and then made a late run, although very wide. Uh, but I'm almost ignoring that race. I don't think the 70 buyer was legit. Uh, I think it was weaker just because of the pace setup. But I thought her race on the turf before that three back, where um, he, I keep saying she, uh, ran at parts, was a pretty good race. Got a 67 buyer. Again, anything over 70, I'm a good shot here to win this. And um, she was uh, cut off in a stretch that day. Doesn't say it in the PPs. She was, uh, he was not winning the race. But he was like saying even going to lose by three, four lengths and got cut off and ended up losing by seven. So that 67 buyer probably would have been a lot higher. Got a 76 buyer at Monmouth before that. So this is a horse who's capable of running in the 70s. In the last race, I don't love I don't love the horse, but I think the horse has a shot here in a, in a relatively weak field, in my opinion. So those are the horses who I would view as like maybe having a shot uh, or, or a decent shot. But do you want to try and guess my single since you didn't guess before or are you giving up or you didn't look? Well, you, you've, you've talked about all the other horses, so I, it's hard to uh, figure out who your single would be. Well, it's not the five, six, I'm gonna, seven, eight. I'm going to go with... Uh, Oh, you, you said it's not the five, six, seven, eight? Uh, no, thanks for paying attention. Those are the words I talked about and said, I think they have a shot to win, but I don't love them and I'm not going with them because I'm going to single another okay. horse. Yeah, you're going to single a horse that's two for 41. No, I'm not, but now you got me intrigued. My <laughs> horse not. is not much better. Yeah, uh, not much better. <laughs> Who's two for 41? Oh, before she and Aaron? This isn't terrible. <laughs> here, here's who you're going to single. You're going to single yourself very good ding, ding, the three horse the three the three horse so why am i single three horse a i don't like anyone else in the field um so that's number one and secondly if you're looking at speed figures against similar horses two back the 12 five level remember i said this is kind of like a 12 five claimer in my opinion the way i handicapped it um against that field had a wide trip on september 24th now the race didn't favor closers didn't favor speed i know miniature strikes a big closer and all and earned it was in that race too, and earned it actually, uh, that's the seven horse, actually beat Rule Yourself. But Rule Yourself had a pretty wide trip that day, and I thought earned it did not run as well. Earned it had like a perfect trip, I thought, uh, that day, where Rule Yourself did not. So I, I actually thought Rule Yourself ran better than earned it that day. Then he came back, Rule Yourself, last race, and that was against a better field. It was one of those restricted allowance races uh, we already talked about Benny Havens, who won the race but got taken down. And I thought um, that race actually favored speed. And this horse had a close from way back. So I thought he ran pretty well. I thought that horse, that race was better horses in this. So um, I like that aspect. And the horse was a little wide. And like I said, closed really well. Now, I do not, as you know, like betting closers. And it scares me. It scares me that Lacey Garnett went from being a 30% trainer to being a very low percent trainer. But small sample so i'm hoping that you know that's not a big deal her go-to rider uh usually i think is johan rosado unless i'm wrong she uses him a lot uh Here, i don't care oh go I'll, ahead i'll give you some local information uh-oh johan rosado better be her go-to rider because she plans on marrying you really <laughs> they're engaged no how do you like that well they need money for the wedding and they're gonna get yeah, they've been engaged for quite some time. Uh, so, yeah. He, uh, and, and just like as Sheldon Russell does for his wife, Brittany, trainer Brittany Russell, 
you better you better give 110 percent whenever he rides for uh lacy so yeah. so uh, yep so that's, awesome information that's, that's, so anyway, that's, that's great i had no idea and, um if you rule yourself with a, a speed type horse i'd be in love with the horse here and i would single and, and bet a lot but um, the fact that he's a closer, he's going to need a trip. There might not be much pace in the race. I don't really know. You hope, I mean, there's some horses that show some speed, but, um, that's my single in the pick five. It's just not worth going deeper. If I like him more than anyone else, I'll review the pick five in a moment, but I yapped about this race for a while. So, uh, I'll give you a chance if you want to, uh, add anything before we wrap up with our bets and, and how we're playing. This. Yeah. I mean, uh, the horse that I wound up picking on top is a horse that you had mentioned that you thought had a shot and, I went with earned it, the six horse. The, you know, he's never been in the money in three starts uh, on uh, the Laurel turf. But I just looked at this kind of like what you did as far as, you know, races that they're coming out of. And, you know, he's coming out of uh, the, the, the straight open 12 fives, whereas some of these other horses are – coming out of restricted, different restricted types of, of races, whether they be the beaten claimers, which we can get into why they call them that for another day. But anyway, so I, I wound up landing on Earn It. Uh, a horse that you didn't mention was the two horse, No Not Great. I put him uh, as my second best horse, mainly because uh, I think, he just needed that race last time. He, he, he had some troubles, three, three eights ball, didn't get the best of rides. And the fact that Ferris Allen, trainer Ferris Allen, was able to uh, get uh, Trevor McCarthy back on the horse, who had an easy time with open 10 claimers at Colonial, which obviously was not a stellar crew. But, you know, if I can get Trevor at 10 to 1, I'm going to use him. Uh, other than that, I like your three horse rule yourself. He's my third pick, and um, that's it. that about does it for me. So, did you want to go over your uh, ticket structure? Yeah, we're gonna do a bet of the week, and uh, I'll go through the pick five quickly uh, if anyone cares. But uh, I have two singles in the pick five, so uh, I'm gonna go deep in race eight and race nine. Uh, in race eight, I'm not gonna go over the names uh, just to save time, but I'm gonna use a two, four, six, seven, eight, ten. I know I'm throwing in a lot of chalk there. So I apologize. It's probably not the best betting strategy, but when I have two singles, it's not costing me much. And, and one of the singles should be a decent price. Uh, I don't want to miss it because, uh, you know, I leave out one of the favorites there. I am going against that uh, um, five horse, that race. It was like four to one, five to one, a speed horse uh, who's coming back. Uh, so that's race eight, two, four, six, seven, eight, ten. Race nine. I'm also going deep. I'm going four, seven, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's four, seven, nine, 10, 11, 12. Now, in both those races, I wouldn't mind going deeper even. I just want to I want to make sure I hit those two races. So I'm going to go as deep as I have to. I think that's all I need, six uh, by six. But, you know, on that day, I might end up going a little deeper if I, you know, change my opinion or, or see some more stuff. But for the most part, that's it. Race 10, I'm singling that three, one more great time. Three to one morning line. Unfortunately, I think uh, he's going to go off like seven to five. I hope not. Maybe not with Lewis Field in the race. Maybe I'll get five to two. But I hope. I hope he's not a huge favorite. Uh, race 11, so I'm going to chalk it out. I'm going to go uh, three, four, five, seven. The three being my main horse, so I'll press with the three, but three, four, five, seven. And I'm singling race 12, uh, that three we just talked about. So 
um, my ticket comes out to, if I just do that, $72. If I add more in uh, race eight or race nine, I think it's $12 a horse that I want to add. So if I decide to add it, or if you're at home and you're betting similar, uh, it would be $12 a, a, a horse to add. Uh, I'm just hoping I'm right with the, uh, with the two singles. I hope I get a 3-3-3, three, 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 late pick three. So if you're a three fan or that's your lucky number, I hope you have a lucky day. Um, do you have, I know I, I have more time to look at this stuff and, and craft a ticket. Did you have a pick five ticket crafted? I know who you like basically, Trace, or do you want to go on to yeah, that of the week? I, 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 did, I didn't come up with a ticket. Probably uh, what, I, what I probably would do maybe is go uh, three, three, five, six in uh, the first leg, which includes, unfortunately, the even money favorite. Uh, just going to go um, too deep in in the ninth with the 10. My top pick, the 8-1, 10 horse, pretty good year. And I'll use Mr. D'Angelo going against my thoughts that deep closers uh, can't get it done. Uh, I, the ninth race is one that if you're going to go deep, you might as well go deep like you did, six, six horses. But what the heck, I'll try to keep my, my uh, ticket thin. I'll use both the... Um, Three horse uh, in the 10th, uh, one more great time, like you said, because uh, he's going to be probably less than three to one. But I'll also use uh, Hall Pass, uh, the six horse. And uh, probably as my challenge, what I'll do is use, um, I'm going to do a uh, $10 exact a box uh, Maker, the four horse in the classic with the uh, seven horse top line growth. Uh, and uh, so I'll use those two in my pick five and then go, go four deep in the final leg uh, going with the two, three, six, and seven. So I don't know. Did you, did you follow that along? I follow. I did not write it down to be honest, but I followed it along. Um, Yeah. And and just, you know, originally when we were doing this podcast, I I really want to focus a lot on betting structure and I feel I've gotten away from it and haven't covered as much. We did one show we talked about exclusively, Um, but you know, betting wise, if I'm smarter, better, maybe like my ticket was 72 bucks. I single Monday morning QB it's an $18 ticket. A, I either save $54, so if I lose, I don't lose as much. Or B, I can bet a $2 pick five instead of 50 cent pick five for $72 singling him. And instead I chalked out. Um, you know, if I, it's big fields and I feel I'm gonna get some prices, that's the only reason I would do that. But in general, I would advise not doing what I did. And I often wouldn't do it. But sometimes, like I said, if you're singling a six to one shot, or you think will be at least six to one or about six to one, I mean, Earned it, beat him last time, so I assume they can bet earned it over him. Uh, you know, I, I just don't want to lose out. And if it's only $72 so that I can hit it if three wins the last race, you know, I, I want to put myself in that position. But betting strategy-wise, it's not great. And the other thing is, like, I would love to throw in hall pass instead of just singling one more great time, even though I think one more great time is, is significantly better. Um, I'd love to have a closer in case there's a speed duel there um, with hall pass. But you got to remember, it doubles your ticket. So for me, it's just as much as I'd love to use hall pass, is it worth doubling my ticket? No. Same thing in the last race. I'd love to add more horses, but uh, when you're shallow or singling, adding a horse is so expensive. But the first two, I'm already using six. So throwing in one or two more horses is not that costly. So that's something with ticket structure. Maybe it's kind of obvious for people, but something to keep in mind. 
So you, um, you said, did I catch that, that your bet of the week was in race 11, uh, $10 exact box, 4-7, is that correct? That is correct. All right, so you were up. Last, last, last week, I, uh, my bet of the week went down the tubes. So All right, so I you're up 66. I had 20 to win on somebody. Yes, yeah, so it was a two-year-old race. You were trying to beat Midnight Bisu's, uh sister or brother. Um, right. So anyway, you got, you're up 66, and you bet 20 today. I'm getting crushed, but I guarantee – I can't guarantee, but I'll, I'll pretend to guarantee – that by New Year's, assuming uh, people are still listening, we're still doing it, um, <laughs> that I will be positive because I'm just going to need one win. And that's how I bet. I, I don't win very often percentage-wise, but when I win, I, I win. So here's my bet this week. It's not huge, but it's a significant amount. I'm going to bet a $40 double in race 11, a 3-3 three, three double in race 11. I thought about doing a $40 pick three, 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 and I probably should do that because it'll pay more. But I'm going to – now I'm debating. Should I go with the pick three? I can do 20 of each, too. You know what? No, it's one bet, right? I can't do two bets unless it's, like, part of an exacto Well, box. no, because you, you, you did the $10 exacto and the $20 exacto. All right, so you're okay with the $20 so, pick well, three? As, as, long, as long as it's the same kind of race sequence type of thing. All right, so I can not, do not, it. Not like, okay, I'm going to do a $2 double in this race, and then I'm going to right. – I, I don't care. You, right. you do it. I feel bad for you. You need Thank a winner, you. so go ahead. Spread. Right. I thought you were going to go to the judges again. And by the way, I know we want to wrap up. I haven't watched Jeopardy in 20 years, but thinking <laughs> of the judges, they always are very tough. They did something. I watched it last night for the first time in like 20 years. So if anyone watched it on, what was that, Wednesday night this week? It was a pathetic oh, trio. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a regular watcher. and I. And oh, my God. Yeah, you you picked a you picked a bad night to for to, to determine the talent level of Jeopardy. So so first of all, the guy in in Final Jeopardy, the guy who won, the only somewhat decent player, and I liked him because he had a daily double and he bet it all because he's not a you know lacking balls basically like every other contestant there. Of course he bet it all every unless it's a topic you don't know. But why would you pick it if it wasn't one you know? Anyway, that's even in Jeopardy, betting strategy comes into play, but. Um, the final thing was the William Tell Overture, and he wrote William Tell, not Overture, and they didn't give it to him, but he won anyway, but that was, that was total BS. And the other thing, like you mentioned it, these were, I don't want to knock them, and I doubt any of them listened to us, but these were like, oh my God, from hunger, as my mom used to say, this was like the people whose name starts with Dennis. And then it was like this Beach Boys uh, singer or whatever, you know, musician, and then Brian Eno, if that's how you say it. I'm like, First of all, I don't even know if he was in the Beach Boys before my time, but I don't think he was. But if he was, it was but it's Dennis, I was thinking of Celebrity Jeopardy when they're like, just name a number, pick any number, write a number, and they still get it wrong. Uh, Sean uh, Connery, right? But anyway, so it was awful. And I'm a social studies teacher. Like, there was questions about, um, oh, what war was it about? I forgot. It, it was a war that took place, like, like the, Native, the Indian Wars, the Native oh, American was that, Wars. That was, that was the war in Florida, and then yeah. one said, uh, Spanish American War. And <laughs> one said the Mexican War. So, and like right. it was like one war was 30 years off. And then the next person gets us wrong the Spanish American War, which is another 50 years. And I love that most people probably didn't pick on it, but Alex is like, no, we're going the wrong way there. He kind of subtly said, like, yeah. Yeah, a little further. <laughs> so maybe I'm just a, a history nerd and, and, and all. But uh, I, oh my God, this was a disaster. <laughs> 
the thing that I love about I, I am no scholar. I mean, I, I was National Honor Society. I, you know, I, I did good enough to get by. I'm not very well read. Okay. But it's almost like Jeopardy is for the people who are well read and they're scholars and all that. What I love is when they have like one of the categories, football. And it's like they, they 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 don't pick that. And then at the end, when there's time, they have to have it. And and everybody who's watching Jeopardy, who knows they wouldn't do crap if they were actually on the show, we run the category, and they're 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 like deer in a headlight on on every single question. You know what I find Jeopardy? If if you know about the category, it's like questions that a second grader can answer. But if you don't know about the category, it's like opera. I'd have no chance in opera. But anyone who knows anything about the opera, would be like, these are the easiest questions. So that's why we run the table on football and things like that. But anyway, I digress. I text uh, my former boss, who's probably in his mid to late 60s, he's retired now, because I know he watched Jeopardy. I said, this is something that has made my IQ go down 20 points just watching this show. And he wrote back, <laughs> and I guess because of COVID now, and they're starting new shows, they're only getting they're people doing it, in the area. Like online testing, yeah. And it's only in the area or something. He said, so maybe they have a limited uh, sample or pool to pull from. So <laughs> anyway, so the my bet there, in case it got shallow. Yes, exactly. So in case it got cut off on the tangent, I'm going to do a $20 pick three in race 10, 333. And a $20 double in race 11, 3-3. Three, three. It's kind of the same sequence. GQ let me do it. So I'm going to split, uh, hedge my, not hedge, but split my bets there. Um, and that's what I'm going with uh, for my bet of the week. And that adds up to 40. I'm down 220. But I said by January 1st, I will almost guarantee I'm positive. I, I'm someone who I don't care. Not that I don't care, but if I'm down a lot, it doesn't affect me because I know hey, at some point the, it's going to turn around. Right, exactly. When you hit, it'll wipe out all, all the... Uh you're negative you'll you'll, yep. you'll be being a positive but yeah all right so <laughs> with, with that um i could talk about jeopardy forever so <laughs> I'll, I'll just end there all right with that people are coming to my house where i'm recording so it's going to get noisy in a second so before it sounds unprofessional i'm going to wrap it up uh thank you gq and enjoy maryland million week everyone out there gq you too thanks for joining thank us you. All right, have a great Thanks again for taking care of everything. Oh, no problem. Thanks for joining us and good luck out there, everyone. Have a great weekend.